give you this time this morning, Lord, asking you to speak to our hearts and uh, give us an ear to hear, a sensitivity uh, uh, to your spirit, Lord, that uh, we might be equipped, uh, that we might wake up, maybe. Uh, so we just love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Uh, last w- the last time I taught, you guys heard Justin last week, which I heard he did amazing, uh, very encouraging. Um, so two weeks ago, we talked about it was Jesus's birth and kind of the journey that Mary was on. Mary's been on a journey. This young girl, 16 years old, right? God can use her. And she says yes to Jesus Christ, right? The angel says, hey, you're going to have a baby. You're going to be with child. And, you know, he doesn't give her all the details. You're going to have a baby, and this is what his name's going to be. And, and this is what Mary says. And she doesn't know the roller coaster she's going to be on, but she, I'm sure she's processing some of this. Like, how is this? How am I going to tell Joseph? How am I going to tell his parents? How am I going to tell my parents? What in the world? How is this going to go? She doesn't know she's going to bear the stigma of an illicit relationship while she's married for the rest of her life. She has no idea that she's going to do that, but, but this is what she says as the angel gives her an announcement. That's what's going to happen. She said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be according to your word. How many people do that today? Lord, whatever. So many of us have to process our life and think, oh man, I feel like the Lord's telling me to do this. Man, that's a sacrifice though. Lord, that must not be you. I think I ate pizza last night. That's indigestion. I don't think, right? And, and, and we can block what maybe God is telling us because there's a cost to it. And Mary's like, whatever you say, God, that's what I'm going to do. That's my heart. And that's what God's looking for, right? Availability. We always hear that. You know, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the call. He's not looking for uh, ability. He's looking for availability. I think that's all valid. That's true. God does do that, right? You say, how many people raise their hand to God's call in their life? Ha, here I am, Lord. Take my life. Use my life. Right? And Mary does that. She doesn't know the roller coaster she's going to be on. It says this in, in verse 21 of chapter 2. It says, When eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So we're to the point. It's eight days after Jesus' birth, and now it's time to name Jesus, right? From the time the angel visited her and all the announcements she's got to make, she's got to tell Joseph, yeah, Joseph, listen, no, no, trust me, it was an, you know, the angel, the Holy Spirit. Uh, it, there was nothing weird here. This was the Holy Spirit. And then she's got to, all of a sudden, she's led on this roller coaster ride. Now it's circumstances of life leading her. Now there's a census. She's got to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Why? Because the Bible predicts that Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. Mary doesn't know. Maybe she does know that, but, but how am I going to get there? What are we going to do? We're settled in Nazareth. My, my OBGYN is here. And, you know, and then she's got to travel to Bethlehem all by herself to deliver this baby in a barn. Crazy. Like, God, would you call, did I hear you right? Sometimes we think that. Lord, did I hear you right? But that's the journey she's on. She goes from hearing from an angel 
to circumstances of her life. And sometimes that's how God directs your life. Oh man, flat, flat tire, you ran out of gas, you know, you got fired, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, there's some circumstances that are out of your control and God is leading your life. And you're like, Lord, did I hear you right? And he's like, yeah, oh, you're right there. You're right where I want you. And then the next thing we see, and if we keep reading, we're going to stop in this verse. I'm going to pick up next week because there's some other things I want to share with you guys. It says, and when the days of her purification according to what? The law of Moses, that's God's word, were completed. They brought him to Jerusalem and presented him to the Lord. It is written in the law of the Lord, again, God's word, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to offer a sacrifice according to what is said, what? In the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. That was offered for people who were poor. If you look in Leviticus, I think it's Leviticus chapter 12, you were supposed to offer a lamb, but if you couldn't afford a lamb, then it's two turtle doves or two young pigeons. They were a poor family. They were just getting started. They didn't have much. right? You might look at my li- your life and say, well, Lord, how can you use us? Well, we got to get our life established first. We got to get, you know, get things settled. We need our 401k set up. We need some money in the bank. No, God wants to use you right now. That's her life. And, and God is using her. And, but you know what she goes from? Hearing an angel to circumstance. And now there's no angel. The circumstances of her life, right? She falls back on the word of God. And that's what we should do. God, what's your word say? What's my next step? I don't know. What's the Bible say? What should you be doing? How should you be treating people or acting? Or are you honest? Are you, you know, all those things. What do I do? Fall back on the word of God. And that's what she does. All right, what, what's our next step, Lord? She's not... Maybe she's looking for an angel. What do we do next? No, she falls back on the word of God and says, this is what I'm going to trust in. This is the anchor, the foundation of my life, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the Bible. Very important to just do the word of God. And, and it says they call his name Jesus. Why? Because that's what the angel told her. Call his name Jesus. Why? That, she doesn't say, you know, Joseph... I really like your name. It's your family name. There's a great, you know, one of my favorite Bible characters, Joseph, in the Torah. That's, I know they said Jesus. That, let's make that his middle name, right? No, they name him Jesus, right? So important. Why names are important. We know that. Everyone's name, especially in the Bible, my name doesn't mean anything. When I say my name, it means motorcycles to most people. Right? Oh, you own a Harley? Right? How many times have I heard that? Millions. You own a Harley? You drive a Harley? Fine. You can keep asking me. Maybe give me one. Right? I don't. But names mean something. There's value in a name. Right? You look at the Old Testament, God has a name and it meant something. When he would reveal himself as provider, as healer, as your banner, as your help, as your protector. God would reveal himself in situations to show him who he was. To show himself, listen, I want to tell you, he revealed himself to Moses as the I am. I'm the I am. Who do I say sent you, God? They're not going to believe me. I am that I am. I'm the all-becoming one. I'm the self-existent one. That's who I am, Moses. You got to know. And I'm the all-becoming one. Why? Because when you are talking to Pharaoh, I'm going to be your mouthpiece. I'm going to be everything you need, Moses. I'm going to be your words. I'm going to be your protection. I'm going to take you. When you need water, 
talk to me. I'm going to give you that. When you need food in the wilderness, that's what I'm going to provide for you. That's what God is. And we move to the New Testament, and we see that that's what Jesus Christ, he's a fulfillment of all that. He's your protector, your provider, Old Testament. He's a shepherd, New Testament. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. And there's probably not a lot of shepherds here today. So, you, so we lose the meaning of that. It's amazing what God does, what Jesus does in a life. He's your shepherd. He oversees your life. He protects you. He provides for you. He feeds you. He does everything. And that's what Jesus said. So many times, especially in John's gospel, they challenge him, scribes and Pharisees, and Jesus will say, I am, claiming to be the self-existent one, the God of the Old Testament. In fact, they did that in the garden, and we're looking for Jesus, and Jesus says, I am. And all the guards in, in, the, uh, in the garden, hundreds, they fall back onto the ground. All you said was, I am, because they understood that statement. There was power in it. And that's who Jesus is. His name is power. Right? Philippians says that, that, there's, uh, that it's the greatest name. I'm going to read it to you. Philippians chapter 2, if you want to turn there with me. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him. And given him the name, which is above every name. Verse 10 says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those in heaven, of those on earth, and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's an important name, right? In Hebrew, Jesus' name is Joshua, right? I have a Joshua. Very common. But it means something. It means Jehovah is salvation. And that's what the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4, there's no other name given among men whereby we should be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus. That's how you're saved. That's how you're not getting to heaven any other way. Pretty narrow-minded. Well, I didn't write it. This book is exclusive. You read the book of Acts, you read the whole Bible, and, and it's a very exclusive book compared to other books. Uh, it has Bible prophecy. But it's inclusive. Anyone's welcome. Everyone's welcome. To say, you know what? I need you, Lord. I trust you. I recognize I'm a sinner. It's a powerful name, Jesus Christ. That's why... Mary's like, let's call him Jesus. That's what the angel said, because it meant something. Jehovah is salvation. There's no other name given among men whereby you should be saved. That's it. There's one name. There's one way, one truth, one life. It's the only way. It's Jesus Christ. Something in light of Everything going on in the world, everyone seen, saw what happened last Saturday. Uh, Hamas and uh, the leadership in Gaza, they do it all the time. They attack Israel. They send rockets. Well, last Saturday was brutal. They're calling it the most brutal attack uh, uh, in Israel's history. Um, amazing what happened. Brutality. Uh, what happened. And, and 
Jesus said this in Acts chapter 1. If you turn there with me just for a second, because i got to hurry. Acts chapter 1, concerning the name of Jesus. It says, verse 4, And being assembled together with them, that's Jesus, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard of me, for John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you again at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They expected that. And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when, you, <clears throat> when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. <laughs> You're going to be a witness. Stay busy with your life. And it says, verse 9, this is what I wanted to really tell you. Uh, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up into a cloud, and a cloud received him, received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, he went up. And behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. That's super important. The same Jesus that was taken from you, he's coming back in the clouds. What? The disciples, and it should be a reminder To the disciples, Jesus said that. Jesus talked to them about that. But the same way he's taken up, he's coming. When I went to church, when I was growing up, I wasn't saved. I went to a church. I never heard that. Jesus is coming back. I don't know. Maybe you went to a church like that too. Jesus is coming back. right? I I didn't know what I was learning in church when I was a kid. And number one, it wasn't a good church. You know, there's a lot of kids that don't know what they're learning at church, and they're going to a good church because they're kids not paying attention like me. Uh, that's the way I was. But the reality is Jesus is coming back. And Isaiah chapter 46, I'll just read it to you, verse 9 and 10. This book is set apart. Verse any book on planet earth. It says this, Isaiah says this in verse 9 of Isaiah 46. You can write it down or turn there, whatever you choose. You might know this, you your Bible's probably marked here. It says, remember the former things of old. I am God. There's no other. I am God. There's none like me. Want to know how there's no one like me? I declare the end all the way at the very beginning. From ancient times, things that are not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand. I'll do all my good pleasure. What the Bible has is, is prophecy. It sets it apart apart from any other book on planet earth. It tells you things that are going to happen. The disciples, turn to Matthew 24 with me. The disciples asked Jesus that question. And, and the angel there in Acts chapter 1 is reminding the disciples. Jesus is resurrected. He's back. He's with them for 40 days, sharing his heart, reminding them. He gets taken to heaven, and then the angels are there, those men in white apparel, Say, hey, remember what Jesus said. The same, he's going up, 
It's coming back. And that's been the preparation, the alertness of the church since Jesus went to heaven. It should be. Should be. Should cause you. But we don't know the day or the hour. We don't know exactly when Jesus is coming back. He doesn't give us the date and the time. We don't know that. This is what Matthew 24 says. Jesus went out in verse 1 and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. Amazing temple structure, that area. And they're showing it to Jesus. Look at how amazing this is. Look at the work we've done. Look at the, what's going on. Not quite done yet, but it's, look at how amazing this is. And Jesus says, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. That's freaking the disciples out. Like, what? What, what are you talking about, Lord? And, and, and then it says, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, all right, Lord, you know, some people think maybe they're, at, he's at, they're asking three questions here. Tell us when shall these things be? What, when's the temple going to get destroyed? And the sign of your coming and the end of the age. Jesus, when are you coming back? When's the end of the age, the end of the church age? When, when is, when's all this going to happen? They don't even, the disciples probably don't even know. They're asking all these questions, maybe three different questions. They're just thinking, the temple's going to get destroyed. What's that all about? And Jesus answers them and begins to teach them something that we get to glean from, that the church needs to be aware of, that you need to know, that I need to know. And he says, number one, what's, what's going to happen? I'll tell you what. Take heed that no man deceives you. The number one thing, what Jesus said first, is deception is going to be at an all-time high. Who can you believe? Who do you believe? Is it CBN or is it CBS, NBC? No, it's Fox News. Or who is it? Who do you believe? Is it this politician, that politician? Deception. There's going to be deception. That's going to be on the right. Who can you trust? There's one thing you can trust right here, the Word of God. Who do you trust? He says, for many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ and will deceive many. And then he says this, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. You know, we're looking at the stage being set for Bible prophecy all the time. And last Saturday, it, it just got put on fast forward mode. Uh, in terms of Bible prophecy, Jesus is coming back. We don't know the day or the hour, but he says, listen, this is what's going to happen. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. Don't be troubled. This must happen. The end is not yet. He says, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. And verse 8, you've probably heard this before, and, and this is the beginning of sorrows. That, that word sorrows is where we get our word, word birth pains. It's the beginning of contractions, right? And I wouldn't know this, uh, but, you know, uh, but I know because my wife has had babies. Um, sometimes you, you don't know. Like, uh, hon, we got to get to the car. This is it. 
and we go to the car and we start driving and it's not it, right? It's, oh man, no, it's not it. Go home, go back to sleep. I got to go to work tomorrow, hon. This is crazy. We can't keep doing this, right? And then, you know, a week later, she goes for a long walk. For some reason, when you go on walks, you have contractions. So she comes back. We're going to have to be, it's now. Oh, it's not now. And then, you know, but one of these times it is. There, it's greater intensity and frequency. It's closer together. And then all of a sudden, when you know, you know, it's time. Like, this is no joke. Get the keys or I'm going to break your arm, right? <laughs> and then you head to the hospital because you know it's time, right? It's, this is happening, right? Don't joke with me. I'm not, we're not joking right now. Don't laugh about this. So, not that I would. Uh, and then, so fast forward. I want to fast forward to a couple things here, you know, for the sake of time. Because I want to read a couple other scriptures to you. The timepiece in God's economy, right? We live in America. What do we care about? I, you know, we care about what we're having for lunch. We care about what buffets open. We care about, you know, is their brunch still open? Did they close? How's their food? Right? Or, you know, we don't know the news going on. What, what happened in, you know, New York City last night or, uh, you know, we're so consumed and concerned with our little world and our little life. We turn on the news, and, you know, and the news is full of you know, who's, who's the best running back or who's the best. You know, and I get it. You know, I like that stuff too. Uh, but we can be so unaware of what really matters. And there's a couple things in God's economy that matter that we have to keep our eye on as a church. Number one, it's the moral clock. The moral clock in God's economy. Luke, I think it's Luke 17, talks about the days of Lot. You can read that in, I think, Genesis chapter 17, what happened in those days. Jesus will talk here about the days of Noah. Verse 36, it says this, But the day and the hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Nobody knows the day or the hour, but God wants to give us the times and the seasons and the, the time clock to watch. And one of them is a moral clock. He says, listen, you don't know the day or the hour, but verse 37 says, but as the days of Noah were, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. So you study the days of Noah. What is it? There was violence. There was sexual immorality running rampant. There was demonic activity, right? Today you might say UFOs. I don't know. Uh, There's craziness going on in Noah's day. And that Jesus says, all right, look, at, look that up. You need to know what it was like in the days of Noah because that's when I'll be coming back. That's, one of God, that's on God's time clock. We're living in the days of Noah right now. The days of Lot, same thing. Look it up. We're living in the days of Noah and in the days of Lot. That's part of God's time clock. The other one is, and, and you know, whatever, verse 32 some, many people think, and it, this, we don't need this scripture to prove that the fig tree is Israel. It can be. Some scholars think it is. Uh, it fits with Bible prophecy because the Bible is full. Israel is a timepiece of God. So one timepiece is the moral timepiece. Verse 32, it says, Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, and you know that summer is near. 
So you also know when you see all these things, you know that it's near, even at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you that this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth, earth will pass away, but my words by no means will pass away. Israel is the second timepiece. Who cares what's going on in Canada or Mexico? That's some of it, right? Right now, our, our, our uh, southern borders are open and there's people coming in from China and the Middle East that are the ages of 18 to 25. They're just flooding into our country, right? Why? Why? Things are heating up. Things are heating up. And Israel is a major timepiece. The Middle East is where you want to. Don't get distracted with what's going on in South America or, I don't know, where do you look? Uh, Bahamas. I don't know. It's Israel. It's the Middle East. You need to keep your eye on that timepiece, right? And something that's happened, I'll just read this to you quickly. Encyclopedia Britannica, 1911, the entry was the Hebrew language. It says, the dream of some Zionists that Hebrew, that is to say a would-be Hebrew, will again become a living popular language in Palestine has less prospect of realization than their vision of a restored Jewish empire in the Holy Land. Encyclopedia Britannica said there's no way, number one, the Hebrew language isn't going to get resurrected. Number two, there's not going to be a Hebrew people. There's not going to be an Israel in the Middle East. That is not, that's 100 years ago. And that's why if you study the Bible and some amazing Bible teachers and scholars 120 years ago, 150 years ago, could only replace Israel all the scriptures that had to do with Israel, they replaced it with the church because it was such an impossibility in their minds that God was actually going to resurrect a nation and deal with Israel as a nation and as a country again. But, but Jesus said it, I believe, the fig tree. says that generation that sees it won't pass away. Mark Twain in 1867 visited Israel. Maybe you read his book. Uh, it, he read, read uh, wrote, on his tour of the Holy Land in 1867, he said, of all the lands there are for dismal scenery, I think Palestine must be the prince. Israel is desolate, unlovely, hardly a tree or a shrub anywhere. It's not that way today. Not that way today. And the sympathy, May 14th, 1948, after the Holocaust and everything that happened in Nazi Germany, Israel and, and the United States pioneered this, Israel is recognized as a nation again, birthed out of nowhere. Israel is a land, May 15th, they're attacked by five or six uh, Palestinian countries, Arabs, the very next day. Tel Aviv was attacked. They've had some major wars. God is protecting them. They're birthed, they're, they're reborn. Says this, turn with me, and this is where we're going to close, and I'm going to do it quickly. Ezekiel 36 and 37. We're not going to read 36, but that's part of it. You can read it. If you want to be a student of the Bible, Bible prophecy, May 14th, 1948, you know, Ezekiel, not Ezekiel, Zechariah chapter 12 says that Israel, that nation, Jerusalem, is going to be a burdensome stone, a cup 
of trembling, that the world is going to trouble itself with it, and God is going to cut those people off. That people's eyes are on this tiny little land that's 300 miles long. It's the size of New Jersey. It's tiny. What does it matter to anybody, but everyone's worried about it? Everyone, the world, if you're, if you're you know, we, America, our trouble is cell phones and TV and, you know, whatever. But if you're paying attention, the world has its eyes on Israel for every reason. And Israel is a focus. This tiny little land that's been out of their land, Ezekiel wrote this 2,600 years ago. 2,600 years ago, it says this. In, in, in chapter 37, I'm going to read it quickly just so we have it because I want to read 38. So hang with me. Maybe we'll forego our last song so I can have five more minutes. It says, The hand of the Lord came upon me, verse 1, and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley, and it was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in an open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. So picture a, a, a valley full of dry bones. You know, I, whatever, you can picture the Genesee Valley region. It's a ton of bones, and they're dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, Lord, do you know? I what do I know? And he said to me, prophesy to these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you'll live. And I will put sinew on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and a sudden, suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus saith the Lord, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on the slain that they might live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Israel has an amazing army, an amazing technology. And he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, O my people, I will open your grave and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. May 14, 1948, they're a nation again. They're established. And the time clock of God begins to tick. That generation, Jesus said, won't pass away till they see all these things come to pass. Fast forward to chapter 38. There's a battle coming. It's a battle that can only happen when these confederated nations come together. Hopefully I'm not losing you. Uh, and I probably am losing you. I don't know. It says this in chapter 38. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog, the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh. Uh, you, you, yours might say the chief prince. Uh, that word chief is the word Rosh. If you have a King James Bible, uh, it says it says, chief prince, Meshach, Tubal, and prophesy against him. What the heck are you talking about? Who is 
Gog, Magog, Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, scholars say, the table of nations, if you follow it, Gog and Magog, Rosh is Russia. Gog and Magog is the title of a ruler. At this time, it's Vladimir Putin who has, is starting all these alliances with these other nations that we're going to read about. That's never happened in history. Set your face against Gog and Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal. Many people think that that is Moscow and Tubalsk, two cities in Russia, and prophesy against them. Thus saith the Lord God, because behold, I am against you, Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around and put hooks in your jaws and lead you out with all your armies, horses, horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers, shields, all of them handling swords. The hooks are in the jaws of Russia. What's the hook? We'll get there, but verse 12 says to take a plunder and a spoil, a booty. they're, They're coming for money. They're coming for natural resources. One of the things Israel has, their natural resources, on top of education and, and everything else this tiny little nation has, is they have a deposit of natural gas in the Mediterranean that's, that's massive, and Putin is looking for natural resources. And there's probably way more than that that we don't know about. There's oil resources, and he is looking, and he, he sees the players. It's very easy. The Muslims hate Israel. So he is just pulling strings, putting all these nations against him, and he's going to come down from the north, is what the Bible says. So it says this, I'm going to put hooks in your jaws, and then it says this, who's, who's in alliance with him that's never happened before? Persia. Persia is modern-day Iran. Persia, their name got changed in 1935 to Iran. But up until that point, it's always been Persia. It's modern-day Iran, the biggest sponsor of terrorism in the world. Under Barack Obama, $100 billion, Barack Obama promised the greatest uh, uh, supporter of terrorism on the planet. We're going to give you, he flew in $1.5 billion on an airplane and dropped it off to him. Donald Trump, it's over. That's not happening. Joe Biden, $6 billion two weeks ago. What happened Saturday? major attack. What happens in Afghanistan? $60 billion worth of of our uh, high-tech equipment. They're using that. They're using it. Persia and uh, Russia and Iran are in alliance together. It's never been like that before. They're in alliance and allegiance together. There's a thousand Russian scientists in Iran, helping them develop a nuclear program. Their alliance to preserve and rescue, preserve the Syrian president Bashar al-Assad, which if you read Ezekiel 17, Damascus, Syria is going to get destroyed. And that's, that's playing into everything going on. It says it's not gonna, it cannot be inhabited again. How, how can a place not be inhabited unless there's nuclear war. They're going to blow Damascus up. Probably this is part of it, what's going on, because that is a hotbed. Russia's in Syria, 
right? And I'm not, I'm, I'm, some things I'm inferring, but this is very possibly what's coming into play. Damascus is part of this. If you read Isaiah 17, they're going after Damascus because it's such a huge player. It's, it's uh, an inroad into Israel in the north. Ethiopia, that's Sudan and Ethiopia. They're allies of Russia. Libya, that includes Algeria, Tanzania. They're allies with Russia and Iran. All of them with shields and helmets, they're all coming to this battle. Gomer, that's Poland, Czech Republic, East Germany, some of the Czech republics there. It's troops. The house of Tagarma, that's Turkey. Uh, they have a major, they're swapping weapons, Turkey. I'm hurrying, guys. I have a point. He says, with many people with you, prepare yourself, be ready, you and your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. After many days, you will be visited in the latter years and will come into the land of those that brought back the sword and, and gathered from many peoples and the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. You will ascend, coming in like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops and many people with you. Thus saith the Lord, on that day it shall come to pass that the thoughts will arise in your mind, and you will make an evil plan. That's going on. You will say, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. I will go into a peaceful people. Here's what's going to happen. In, in Ezekiel's day, every city was walled. Every city. There wasn't an unwalled city. They were all, they were all walled. That was their protection. Now they're talking about an unwalled city. Now we don't understand that because who has walls here? Unless you go on a mission trip, then you start seeing walls around houses and different things. But you know what happened in, in Gaza in uh, 2005 or 2006? Israel gave Gaza uh, to the Palestinians. You can have it. They withdrew their people, everything. But they did build a wall there. They built a wall with security on both sides to tell what the heck is going on if there's activity because they're getting bombed all the time. But they gave them the land. They give them free electricity and free water. And they still bomb Israel right? Because they hate them. That's in their, in their charter. Destroy Israel. Make no concessions. They don't want more land. They want to destroy Israel. In fact, right now, the consensus in Israel is not land for peace. That's kind of the leftist mentality in Israel. Land for peace. Land for peace. Let's just give more land away. Now they're 100% united. Gaza, this needs to end. Hamas needs to go. Right? And why is that significant? Because the Bible says this. I'll read this to you in Zephaniah chapter 4. It says, Gaza shall be forsaken. Ashkelon shall be desolate. They shall drive out Ashdod at noonday. Ekron shall be uprooted. Woe to the inhabitants of the seacoast, the nations of the Cherethites. The word of the Lord is against you, O Canaan, land of the Philistines, and I will destroy you, so there shall be no inhabitant. The seacoast shall be pastures with shelters for shepherds and folds. The coast shall be for the remnant of the house of Judah. They shall feed their flocks there. The houses of Ashkelon shall lie down at evening. The Lord their God will intervene for them and return their captives. Pretty amazing prophecy. Gaza is going to be, they're not going to need that wall. Israel is going into Gaza 
to take care of Hamas, and it's, they're united. They were very divided at one time. Just give them more land. Give them more land, kind of like our country's divided. Now they're united. You can look it up on, on any news source in Israel. They're united. It's time to deal with, with, with Hamas, who is radical. If you know what's going on, what they've done to babies, beheading them, burning them, burning people in cars, killing people, posting it on Facebook. I'll take a picture of you while I kill you, and I'm going to post it on your Facebook page for your family to watch. They're, they're raping, murdering. This isn't just a, a battle, me against you. Let's go to war. We're soldiers. No, this is killing women and children and grandparents. They're killing the Holocaust survivors. They're massacring them. Terrible. And Israel's done. They declared war the first time in 50 years. The last time was 1973, the Yom Kippur War. This is serious what's going on. This should cause us, and you can keep reading. You can read uh, uh, chapter 30. Uh, nine, it talks about what, what happens. And the cleanup from this war is chemical, biological, and nuclear. The way they have to clean up from this war, they have to wait months. They have to put a flag in the ground when they find a bone or a body, and they can't even touch it for months. They name a city. Gog is going to come down, and they name that city after Gog because they have to bury the dead there. It's amazing what's going to happen. The detail of the Bible is, is incredible. It, God says it. I'm going to tell you things before they come to pass. Like this could have never happened years ago. All these alliances are coming together. Romans chapter 13, it says this, knowing the time that it's high time to wake out of your sleep. The church needs to wake up. We're so consumed with little petty differences or whatever's going on, the church needs to wake up. Get right with the Lord. If you're not right with the Lord, you need to. Because this stuff is happening and it's real. God said it was going to happen. Whether you believe it or not, you know, unfortunately, if you don't, I, what do you do? It's happening. God said it. He warned us. He said, I, I don't, I'm not going to give you the time, the day and the hour, but I want to give you the time and the season. Morally and concerning Israel, my people. He's not done with Israel. Read Romans chapter 11. Blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in, right? It's, it's happening. It's happening. And after this major prophetic teaching that Jesus gives, not that I gave, this was whatever, but what Jesus gave, he goes into Matthew 25 and he talks about 10 virgins, five wise, five foolish, and they were sleeping. Some had oil in their lamps and some didn't, and their husbandmen, their groom came to pick them up for the wedding. Five weren't ready. But they all went to the same church. They all carried a Bible. They all looked the same, acted the same, talked the same. But inside, they were different. Five of them didn't have oil. They weren't real. There was nothing genuine going on in their life. It was all church. It was religion. You need to get right with the Lord. He loves you guys. He loves us enough to tell us the future to warn us, to be watchful, to be ready. And we can be. He's given us his word. So Lord, we just thank you so much for your word. God, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Your word, Psalm 122, tells us to pray for them. They're your people. They're the apple of your eye, the Bible tells us. And these people are poking their finger in, the, in, in your, the, your retina. 
they're poking their finger in your eye, God. And you've warned, you love people, you want to see people repent. The whole idea as we read these scriptures is that they might know that you're the Lord. You warned, you told your disciples, but then you said, go make disciples, warn other people, tell other people, Lord, I pray we'd have an urgency as your church. I pray you'd wake us up. Cause us uh, to, to uh, be alive by your Holy Spirit, Lord, and excited for what you want to do, Lord. We give you our lives. We love you so much, Jesus, in your name. Amen.